Well, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, world. I am Reverend Adrian O. Robinson II, a.k.a. Rev. Rob, and this is Deeper in the Word, where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it so that you can get a better grasp of what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you can apply something written so long ago to what you're going through right now. Today's show, my friends, is entitled, You Gotta Have Faith. You Gotta Have Faith. And we're going to be examining exactly what faith is, or rather, we're going to be dissecting the anatomy of faith, okay? The makeup of faith. You know what anatomy is. And if you don't, go back and look at your biology books from high school. And it's important that we do this. Because of people's perceptions about what faith truly is. You see, for many people, when it comes to the concept of what faith is, they got it entirely twisted. And to me, I'm sorry, but there's almost nothing more frustrating than to hear somebody say about believers something like, yeah, you know, them fairy tales that y'all believe in the Bible. Or they'll say stuff like, Believing in Jesus, or sometimes even God, they'll be like, you might as well believe in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny too while you're at it. You've probably heard that before. Because many of the derogatory remarks we hear about our faith stem from the idea that our faith is somehow based on imaginary or impossible things. In, in fact, some people be even so bold to be like, y'all stupid for believing in something you can't see or touch or otherwise equivocate. They'll just come out and tell you you're dumb. They believe that faith is a bad choice. That walking in total and under utter, excuse me, total and utter dependence on the Lord is somehow foolish. They argue that God is an unknown, that he is an unseen force, unseen force with which man cannot interact and have fellowship. And really, it's a lot of worldviews based on this ideology that God is this distant God who doesn't even care about his own creation, which is us. There are a lot of worldviews that are based on that idea that God is sovereign and created the universe, but he don't want to have nothing to do with us. Okay? And saints of God, I'm here to tell you that these people are wrong, wrong, wrong. When you choose to live your life by total faith, You'll never be disappointed with God, and you're not going to struggle through life blindly. In fact, choosing to live a life of faith gives you a deep, settled assurance that God is in absolute control of all situations and that his will always gets accomplished in the life of believers. So as believers, we have to make a choice, y'all. We can either choose to please the Lord or we can choose to please ourselves or please others and basically succumb to worldly dispositions and ideas. If we're going to be determined to please the Lord, then we have to walk by faith in him and in his word and his will. That way, when people who call us foolish for believing in what we can't see, begin to see godliness and favor being reflected in our lives, they can't deny that. And then they'll start to see that they too can know what that truth is that we walk in. And that's what you want to hear them say. How, must, how, how may I be saved? What must I do to be saved? 
okay? I mean, after all, people in the world think that sin is believing, right? So let's show them then by the way we walked and the way we act in faith. And so I wanted to begin today with this little story, right? And this story perfectly demonstrates how faith is perceived differently by different people, by people who believe and by people who don't. So there was this elderly lady in this neighborhood, right? And all throughout the neighborhood, she was known as the church lady. It's well known that she had a tremendous faith in Christ. And we've all grown up with that lady in our neighborhood. Now, she might have been mean, like, stay out of my yard. But most of the time, if she was a church lady, then she had a good heart. Okay? But so much so that everyone knew she was cited. She was cited for her boldness and constantly talking about her faith in the Lord. Everybody knew that she would do that. You go by her house, you cut her grass or whatever, she'll hook you up. But you're going to have to listen to her talk about the Lord. And she would stand on her front porch and shout, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, next door to her lived an atheist, somebody who doesn't believe in God. And he would always get so angry at her that he would be like, shut up, old woman. There ain't no Lord. And this, they would go at each other every day. Well, eventually hard times set in on the elderly lady. And she prayed for God to send her some assistance. So she stood on the porch and she shouted, praise the Lord, God, I need food. I'm having a hard time, Lord, please help send me some groceries, Lord. Now, the next morning she went out on the porch and she saw this large bag of groceries. Okay. And she shouted, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And at that very moment, the neighbor jumped from behind a bush and said, ha ha. You silly, I told you, old lady, there is no God. I'm the one that brought those groceries. God didn't send those groceries to you. And so the old lady started up and up, jumping up and down and clapping her hands and saying, praise the Lord. Not only did he send me some groceries, but he made the devil pay for them. <laughs> now, now that's a somewhat comedic way to look at it, but it nonetheless shows how faith is perceived differently by those who practice it and by those who criticize it. And the faith of this little old lady should serve as a model for every other believer to follow. It should be an attitude that every Christian should adopt when we go through our own struggles and our own issues on a daily basis. Because it's hard to walk straight in the crooked world, right? Fortunately, the Bible gives us all the instructions and the guidelines we need in order to walk prudently in a fallen world on a daily basis. See, the Bible tells us that we are to, quote, live by faith. And then it gives us several examples of what that looks like. You don't think I'm... You don't believe me. Okay. In Mark eleven twenty two, and Habakkuk 2, 4, we are reminded that faith is to be the daily lifestyle of the believer. Look at Mark eleven two. Have faith in God. Look at that book of 2.4. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. When we read Romans 14.23, we learn that anything that isn't a product of this faith, life, is a sin. Like if you don't have this type of faith, that's a sin. Romans 14.23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. In Hebrews 11.6, we see that without this quality called faith, 
we will never be able to please the Lord. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Okay. We also know that we are saved by faith. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Meaning your faith saves you, it was nothing that you did. God rewarded your faith. That's what that means. We can never let it be said that we don't know where to go to seek proper authority for why we are to live by faith. But for many of us, the question becomes, just how exactly do we go about living every day of our lives by faith? And what does that mean specifically? You keep saying that. What does that mean, Red? Okay, again, we only need to look to the word of God to shed more light on this, in, um, more insight, I should say, on this subject. So today we're going to examine two opposing aspects of faith. Namely, number one, what faith is not which is arguably the most important thing to point out. And then number two, what faith really is. So in other words, we're going to examine, number one, the fallacies surrounding faith. And then number two, we're going to look at the facts surrounding faith. So we're going to look at the fallacies surrounding faith and the facts surrounding faith. And we're going to do that when we come back after the break. What's up, everybody? This is Rev Rob, and I'm inviting you to join us live for our weekly online services every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific. All you have to do is log on to benevolentfaithministries.online.church. It'll take you directly to the worship session. Come chat with us before service or request prayer or join the church or however you want to get down. We are here for you. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. At Benevolent Faith Ministries, we're a virtual church with a real heart for God. Visit us on the web today at benevolentfaithministries.org and learn more about becoming a member, participating in our giving partnerships, and learning how you can be the church without the need of any building. That's benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on today. Diamond Cup Building Maintenance is a privately owned business that provides a wide range of janitorial, floor care, and handyman services all size commercial businesses. Our services also include deep clean and disinfectant cleaning, which kill harmful germs, including the coronavirus. Our team has over two decades of experience, so we can provide the highest quality of services to our customers. This is why we are a sparkle above the rest. Please join our Facebook page to learn more about us at Diamond Cut Building Maintenance. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. As a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store. Also, don't forget to email us at info at benevolentfaithministry.org to send us your questions and comments for the show. And don't forget to join us live every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern for our 
uh, online church services, just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church and you can create a screen nickname and chat along with us during service. Amen. And today we are talking about the subject, you gotta have faith. And we're exploring the way that believing in Christ is perceived by the world and how believing in Christ should be perceived by those who are actually professing to follow him as their Lord and Savior. In our last segment, we outlined what the Bible says about living by faith and about what that looks like. And now we want to examine the fallacies surrounding faith and the facts surrounding faith, or rather what faith isn't and what faith truly is. So the first thing we want to do is look at, number one, the fallacies surrounding faith. And a fallacy is just a lie. It's a made, you know, it's something that's, it's a misconception. And the first fallacy, my friends, is arguably the most significant one. And if you don't get nothing else from this show today, please get this at the very least, very least, okay? And that's this. Faith is not a blind leap. Faith is not a blind leap. This is arguably the most widely accepted yet wholeheartedly wrong perception of faith in the world today. People who hold this belief, they'll be quick to speculate that faith is nothing more than a leap into the dark. And again, it's this whole idea of believing that we believe wholeheartedly in something that cannot be seen. And quite frankly, it's insulting. It's insulting and insults our intelligence and here's why. Because it says that billions of people around the world who follow Christ and have personal testimonies of God moving in their lives, we're somehow being duped. And that we lack the mental acumen to be able to discern for ourselves the veracity of something. Simply because some human or group of humans with an opposing viewpoint have unilaterally decided that there's no veracity in what we believe. You're like, huh? In other words, it says that these people are like, oh, we're somehow smarter than y'all because we don't believe in stuff we can't see. So that makes your thinking inferior to mine because clearly, if you believe in such things, then you can't be as smart as me, someone who surely knows better. That's the sensibility. Nah, bro, faith is more than just walking around blindly waiting for faith to bump into you and hit you upside the head. Faith is never a leap into the dark because it's always based on the word of God, which is the strongest foundation possible. Look at Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the person who really walks in faith never walks through life blind. Yeah, that person may not know what is ahead, but they for sure always know who is ahead of them, making a way to deal with whatever lies ahead of them. In other words, faith is believing what I don't see in order to see what I believe. Faith is believing what I don't see in order to see what I believe. What does that mean, Adrian? It means that the world says that, hey, seeing is believing, right? The proof is in the pudding, buddy. Seeing is believing. Okay, that's what the world says. But God wants us to believe in order to see. Because we can't see him or his work carried out in our lives if we don't have the belief that he's there in the first place. Does that make sense? 
God operates out of our ability to trust in his ability to do whatever it is we ask of him. The psalmist said it best in Psalm 27, 13. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Ooh, I love that verse. See, many of our critics would have you believe that all faith is is nothing more than the permission that we give each other to believe in stuff strongly, to believe in what we believe in without real evidence. Listen, man, not only is this an incorrect view, it's a dangerously irresponsible view of faith. Faith is not blind, okay? It's not an arbitrary leap in the dark that has no relationship to reason, evidence, logic, or knowledge. That's what people are suggesting, and that's not true. And guess what else? Just because you operate from a place of faith doesn't mean that you're using that as a cop-out or an excuse to explain away things. That's a flawed argument. You want to know how we can prove it's flawed? Because it's contrary to biblical teaching. Remember, we just said that as believers, our foundation is the word of God. So let's look to the text for the evidence. Check the book of Acts chapter 17, verses two through four. And it says, and according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. Here we find the apostle Paul with Jews in the synagogue where he, quote, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence for Jesus. And what was the result of this? Look at the last part again of verse four. It says, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. Notice the connection here between faith and reason. Paul was good at this. He does it again in his letter to the church of Corinth. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 14. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. He's binding our faith with the facts of Jesus's resurrection. He's saying, if Jesus didn't actually die and wasn't actually resurrected and didn't actually ascend up into heaven and we wasn't actually chilling with him before he did that, then everything that we've been doing has been nothing but a lie. Everything we've been doing is for nothing and a lie. Not only is it for nothing, it's also not true, okay? And we know that's not the case. Friends, faith is futile when it's divorced from fact. That's what he was giving them. He was like, Jesus, he resurrected. We saw the man. I saw him. He blinded me on the road to Damascus. I didn't see to did the man. That's a fact. So my faith in him is based on the fact that I've seen him. Because blind faith doesn't sit well with human intellect, especially when you're talking about young people. Listen, I cherish my time as a youth pastor. And when young people, young believers, are told that they have to make a choice between faith and fact, more often than not, they're going to abandon the faith part of that. And that's exactly why so many of them are leaving the church in droves because they're not being equipped to understand why it is that they believe what they believe in. Them old days of telling a young believer, well, baby, that's just God's way and you don't question God. That ain't going to work no more, man, for real. 
You got to let them know why. And you got to point them to the Bible in order to show them where the answer to that why is found. Because in this way, you can show them something else about our faith. And that's that faith is not a blank check. Okay. For instance, there's this real popular sensibility in many Christian churches today. And it's called name it and claim it. Some might call it prosperity preaching, whatever. But basically, it's an ideology that says that we can use the power of faith to create our own reality or to get what we want. And in essence, this ideology redefines what faith is. It redefines everything we just said about faith. Never mind what the Bible says, which is what we just said. According to these folks, faith is a, quote, a way of controlling God to give us what we want. Because it teaches people that if they want something from God, then they got to pray about it and believe it and then look for it to happen. Now, some of y'all out there right now are like, but dang, that's what I do. Ain't that what the Bible said? No, 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 no. Because the way these folks want to redefine faith, y'all, it instead becomes like this force, like in Star Wars, whereby we can get what we want by calling upon it instead of what faith really is, which is our steadfast trust in God, especially when we're going through trials and suffering. That's when, because that's when your faith is really tested. That's when your faith really comes out, when you're going through something. Okay, and the fact is, y'all, it's a lot of people out there who became discouraged in their faith and disappointed with God because he didn't do something like they were, quote unquote, told he would. You know, them. they'd be like, but, but God said he would answer my prayers. But the, but the pastor said, but, but the church said, nah, friends, faith is not a blank check. God is not our cosmic UPS man. What can God do for you? No. Or he's just waiting for you to place your order and then he pulls up to deliver us anything and everything we desire on demand. You can't order up God's power like you're ordering up a pizza, okay? Pizza. Dang, now I want some Godfathers or some Valentinos. If you're in my hometown of Omaha, Nebraska, and you love me, please send me some Godfathers or some Valentinos, please. Or at least a double cheeseburger from time out. Come on now. But anyway, if this is true, if this is all that God is, this cosmic UPS man, then God is reduced to nothing more than a genie who has no other purpose than to grant our every wish by the thousands. Saints of God, God is about far larger and greater things than just wait for you and me to come up with a new want for our wish list, okay? We serve a sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, holy God. Say that fast five times. But we got to start looking to God more for instruction and stop looking to him less for wish granting. Amen. Now, we just explored the fallacies surrounding faith. Or rather what faith is not. Now, coming up in our last segment, we want to look at what faith truly is or the facts surrounding faith. So come back and hear what those are after the break. My name is Christopher James McClendon. 
I am a professional Christian counselor. I am offering an eight-week Christian counseling group 100% online. During the eight weeks, I will personally walk you through my book, Seven Steps to Receiving God's Blessing. This group provides measurable results. I believe in faith and works. The Bible is God's word and science is God's works. Therefore, I integrate the two to help bring about healing in the lives of others. If following these seven steps motivated my recovery from permanent paralysis, imagine what it can do for you. Find out more by visiting stateanchor.org or call 678-723-6800. You can also follow me on Instagram at saltpc. Are you looking to complete a home purchase? Whether you're a buyer or a seller, Meister Home Inspections, or MHI, offers professional and accurate home inspection services throughout the Northeast Atlanta area that provide home buyers and sellers, as well as their agents, with the information they need to successfully complete any home purchase. Visit their website at mhihomeinspection.com, that's mhihomeinspection.com to learn more or to set up your home inspection appointment today. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Abba Devil and Faith Ministries and like our page to support us. You know, it's funny. I'm pretty sure there are many people out there that don't realize exactly how many pop culture references from the 80s and 90s I use undercover on this show. <laughs> if you do, give me a holler on uh, email us. Also, uh, you can find us on YouTube at um, Benevolent Faith Ministries. Just search for that. You can see replays of everything we got going on. Bible study, online church services, everything. And don't forget, you can join us every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern during our live prayer call line. You can't make the live call. You can hear the prayer playback line 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can catch up on what you may have missed. Amen? Today, we've been talking about how you gotta have faith. And quite honestly, I think I deserve a shout out for making, uh, for not making a corny uh, George Michael reference all show. Shout out to me. Rest in peace to George Michael. Uh, and particularly, we're talking about the anatomy of what faith does and doesn't look like. And in our last segments, we've examined the fallacies surrounding faith. And lastly, and I'm done, y'all, let's look at the facts surrounding faith. So we just saw what faith wasn't. Now let's look at what it is, okay? Because you're saying if faith is none of the things that you pointed out before, then what is it exactly? Friends, faith is clearly defined in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Again, like we always say, the Bible is our foundation. It always makes it clear. Look at verse 1, Hebrews 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Bam! All up in your face like a can of mace. Make you cry all over the place. Take note of what faith does there. It says it makes, quote, things that are hoped for as real as the things that are, quote, not seen. It also provides the unshakable evidence, quote, evidence of those things that are, the things that we can claim as a result of our relationship with our Lord Christ. In other words, faith brings the future within the present and makes the invisible 
sin. Now, thankfully, the author of Hebrews did leave us hanging about where all this confidence and assurance is supposed to be coming from, okay? Because I know you're like, well, where are I supposed to get that confidence and assurance from? Just look at the text of Hebrews 11.2, the very next verse, okay? Because really, we're pulling these ideas out of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 40, which is basically all of chapter 11. And in Hebrews 11.2, the author says, this is what the ancients were commended for. And he's speaking about how the ancients of faith, the former heroes of the Bible, Moses, Joshua, all those good cats. And he comments how by their faith, those ancient heroes earned a good report in favor from God. And then he goes on to actually outline the faith of each of them. And in every instance, whether it's stated or implied, there is the promise of God in that instant. And he names a lot of them, and I ain't going to read all of them, so you can read that for yourself in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verses 3 to 40. But he outlines all of them. So what does that mean exactly? What, is about, what does that say about what faith is? It says that faith is not simply wishful thinking, but is in fact the assurance that God will do exactly what he has promised to do. That's what it is. Because anything based on guesswork or wishful thinking, oh, that's going to end in failure, all right? Think about it. We don't put our trust in something we know is going to fail. If you needed a complicated heart procedure, would you let a garbage man perform the procedure? Of course not. You're not gonna willfully put trust in something that you know is gonna fail. It's wishful thinking to assume the average garbage man will perform a complicated heart procedure properly, okay? God is the God who responds to a people's faith in himself and his promises, but he is not a God who responds on demand to the requests of his created beings. Check yourself, God created you and the universe. How are you coming at him any old way and making demands? That's sideways and that's silly. Furthermore, look at what it says. It's based on their faith in him and his promises, not based on what you want, okay? Let me give you an example. If you climbed to the top of the Empire State Building in New York City and said, I'm about to jump off this building and not hit the ground. I believe that God is gonna make me fly. I've prayed for it for weeks and hallelujah. Ask him to hold me up in the air and ride the currents. And I have peace in my heart that God is going to make me fly like Superman. Da -da 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 -da. I believe that this is his will for me. And so I'm going to leap off this building and he will make me fly. That's the name it and claim it sensibility. Now, look, if you're going to say that, you're going to think like that. Just let me hold your wallet before you jump, all right? Because that's not going to be a good look for you, cousin. That's not faith. That's foolishness. Wishful thinking is not genuine faith. And a lot of people have become, this is, this is real here. A lot of people get disappointed with God because he didn't do something that they told him to do. But we got to remember though, faith ain't a lasso that you throw around God's neck to make him do whatever you want. You can't corral God to your liking. That's not faith. <laughs> faith ain't going to Staples and pressing the easy button. That was easy. And forces God into doing what we want. 
Because a lot of people have prayed for things they wanted or thought they needed. And their requests were denied. God rejected their deposits. And when that happened, many of those people became bitter against God. And they stopped, stopped following them. And sometimes the things that they prayed for were seemingly legitimate things. Like for somebody to be healed from a disease or a loved one or for a new job or praying for an answer to some critical issue. But see, here's what those people miss, Joe. If you haven't been given a clear promise from God concerning that particular situation, then you might be in for a disappointment. Don't miss this. We can pray about anything we want to, then we can hope that it will come to pass. But we can only have faith in those things which God has already promised to bring to pass. Okay? When we expect God to do as he has promised, that is faith. When we expect God to do as we wish, that's presumption. Know the difference. Because God will honor the first and he'll ignore the second. It's about offering prayers of hope versus prayers of faith. If I pray that my neighbor, my next door neighbor, <clears throat> becomes saved, <laughs> I can have faith that God will save him if my neighbor turns to Jesus. However, I can only hope that he will be saved because he may decide not to receive Christ. So here's the difference. Here's what I'm getting at. When I pray that my need might be met, I can believe that it will be met because God has promised to meet it. Look, look at Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. When I pray that a person will be healed, for example, I can hope that it will happen. Because I know that God has the power to heal. We've seen it in the Bible. We've seen him do it. We've seen him raise people from the dead. So I know he has the power to heal, but I do not know that it is his will for that particular person to be healed. I don't have his promise in that particular matter. Understand that. Y'all feel me? However, when God says that it will be a certain way in his word, then you can count on it being just as he has said. Therefore, anything that's promised in his word in the Bible can serve as the basis for genuine faith. Does that make sense? That's why it's so critical, y'all, that we pray God's word back to him. And because that gives us an understanding of what his word is and what he's already promised. Many people have prayed for things not knowing that it may not be God's will in that prayer. And then they become disillusioned when the prayer doesn't come to fruition. That's not God's fault. That's not faith's fault. That's your fault for having a false expectation that was never promised to you. Because that's not what the word said. Go off of what the word says and learn to pray God's word back to him. And that is the essence of what faith is, y'all. Because that's the bottom line. Faith is simply the deep, settled assurance all believers have that God will do exactly what he's already promised to do. Amen. Listen, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store. 
Also, don't forget you can find us on the web at benevolentfaithministry.org. Log on now and learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can help uh, Feeding America, one of our giving partners, petition the U.S. government and particularly the United States Department of Agriculture to extend the waivers for kids uh, who are not getting breakfast and school lunches right now. So make sure you go and check that out at our giving partnerships. And also, don't forget to log on this and every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church and we'll catch y'all next time. Holla.